Thank you, everyone out in Geek Vibes Nation. This is Dane on another compelling, wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Um, well, we do a show about wrestling, so it's uh, smart to start things off talking about something that's going on right now. Uh, as many of you know, Ric Flair is, you know, he's in the hospital right now. He went in there, I believe, Saturday night, was rushed in there. Uh, you know, there was reports that they were heart-related issues, uh, then followed by that kidney-related issues. Uh, one thing is known is that his family members, uh, Charlotte and his, his fiance, are saying just so you know, keep him in your prayers and your thoughts. And over at Keep Five Nation and just, I think, everyone in general, whether you're a wrestling fan or just know the nature boy from being the man that he is, the styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun, Ric Flair, get better. Um, to me, actually, I'll just mention a just like a first-time memory of, of seeing the nature boy. And then I will pass it to my co-host and introduce our special guest for tonight. But, uh, you know, I, I, I lived in, um, in Boston, Massachusetts, so we didn't really watch a lot of uh, WCW or before that, uh, any of the Crockett stuff or anything like that. I first saw him, actually, at uh, Royal Rumble, I believe, 92, where he entered the Royal Rumble at three and won the whole entire thing and then won the title. And, of course, uh, there's that wonderful notion that we could have had Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair and it kind of happened, but we won't even get into that. Point being, I love Ric Flair, and I hope the nature's the best. And I know that he's going to go through whatever and kick its ass. Um, so, Chris, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing well, other than the uh, sad news of Nature Boy being in the hospital. My first memory of the Nature Boy Ric Flair would be me as a child watching Nature Boy versus, of course, Sting. I was a WCW fan in the early 90s. Kind of got into WWF more like 95, 96, and then caught up later on. But growing up, I was a uh, Crockett promotion WCW fan. So uh, a lot of memories of Ric Flair. I, I've met him a couple times. I mean, he's always been super polite to me in public. Um, only wish the best for him. I hope he gets well soon. And uh, definitely sending warm vibes to him and his family. And, uh, yeah, man, it's just uh, it's kind of sad. It, it kind of scares me a little bit knowing the Nature Boy is in a little bit of danger. I kind of want to do a run-in on whatever's going on. But I hope everything goes well and he gets better soon. Uh, it's emotional. With a, with a tear in my eye, I wish the best for Ric Flair. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely, I mean, he's an, he's an idol to a lot of people. Um, you know, it's, I'm going to be worried if, if there's any health stuff. I mean, they, they get older, so I can say this, but like if Paul McCartney or Stan Lee, so, I mean, Ric Flair kind of is on that pedestal with me of, or like George Carlin of like just someone that I've known in the limelight and, uh, I've enjoyed everything that he's contributed for me for entertainment wise, but you know, it's kind of like a, a somber way to start the show, but we definitely needed to to get that out there, um, I also want to introduce our awesome special guest coming back for, I think it's third or his fourth time. I appreciate it. Thomas Brewington. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, guys. How about yourselves? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, do you have anything that you wanted to say about the Nate? Uh, I don't remember 
the exact first time I saw him. I was flipping between Raw and Nitro, and, like, I was seven or eight, and uh, I just remember watching him go off on this promo. I have, I have no recollection of what it was about, but just, like, his charisma, his energy, like, how passionate he was about what he was saying, not to mention, you know, getting fully naked and drop elbow dropping your clothes. That kind of leaves an impression on an eight-year-old, and you shouldn't do it in school the next day. But uh, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. one of my earliest Ric Flair memories. And I think that, you know, if the man can, yeah, if the man can survive plane crashes and lightning strikes, he can overcome this. And I, I hope that he does. I wish he and his family the best. And, yeah, I mean, he's a living legend. Let's keep it that way. Yeah, it's positive vibes from Wrestling Geeks Alliance and all of Geek Vibes Nation. And, uh, yeah, let's move on. Um, we got some stuff to talk about, guys, tonight. we got a couple news items. Um, one of them, actually, I was going to see if, if you could kind of, like, go into this more, Chris, because I think that you have more details. But apparently Paige is going to be returning to WWE, but uh, coincidentally at the same time, Alberto El Patron has been suspended from Global Force Wrestling and stripped of the title. Uh, All I have to say is this is a clusterfuck. Um, Man, I just... The one thing that we talked about, and, and I'll pass it to you, Chris, you know, I just feel to me that this is... This could have been nipped in the butt by something happening at one of their matches to take the title off him or having Loki win. I, I, I don't really know. I know that they film in advance. I don't know how far in advance, obviously. I've just started watching Global Force Wrestling and Impact. Uh, but they're supposed to be having their technical pay-per-view this week. So uh, bad for El Patron. Good for Paige? What do you think, Chris? Uh, I think it's irrelevant for Paige. I honestly don't see her coming back in a major way on WWE. So I think it's more just bad for Alberto Del Rio. It looks like they're sticking with this suspension in Global Force Wrestling that they basically they put in place as soon as this incident happened. Um, I haven't found out for sure if it has anything to do with their network but they're not putting him on any of the TV tapings, uh, which were coming up, and they're suspending him, which means they're going to be stripping him of the title so that they can have the title on TV. My guess is they're going to say he loses it at a, at a house show, something that's not on the network, or they're going to straight strip him or try to do some kind of video angle with LAX. That would be my guess. Um, but they're taking the title off of him. I haven't read any details on what they plan to do with the title after that. But from what I gather, based on all the rumors and everything I've read, it's not just because of this airport incident. Um, a lot of it has to do with some of the ways that he's ripped on WWE and kind of did some shoot promos here and there and kind of his personality on Twitter and some of his personality in the back. So there's more to it than just that one particular thing. What I will say about Alberto Del Rio is he's 40 years old at this point. Um and I think this was his best chance at having, like, a run in the spotlight. So I, I would assume that he's going to go back to Mexico and wrestle for CMLL. 
or one of those promotions, which is going to get weird if they start working with TNA. I don't, I don't know how that's all going to shape out. I also don't know what his contract was like with Global Force, if it was uh, appearance-based or if it was a yearly contract and if they had to buy the contract out or if he somehow broke contract. But it's not looking good for him. I wouldn't expect to see him on Global Force anytime soon. Um, him being stripped of the title was confirmed by multiple sources, Wrestling Observer being probably the most reliable one. So as far as Paige goes, I know that uh, I saw the roster release from Juwan earlier today. She's in the new video game. I don't necessarily think that means that she's coming back to WWE. I think WWE is focusing on some bigger things with some of the newer women talent they have. They have Asuka. They also have uh, possible four horse women of the UFC coming versus the four horsewomen of the WWE. So I don't think their mind is focused on bringing Paige back in. And even if they did bring her back in, I don't know where they would put her or what they would actually do with her. So if she comes back, I would assume that she's just going to get paid till her contract's up or bought out of her contract and then sent to the Indies. Maybe they'll go work. Maybe she'll work in CMLL as a manager or go back to her home in, uh, in Europe and wrestle over there. Um, but who knows? I, that's that's the information I have. So just presenting it. Curious on what you guys' thoughts are. Holy crap, that was a lot of information. But I appreciate it. Um, you know, for some reason I'm centered on the fact that you said that uh, Alberto El Patron was 40 because I thought he was like in his early 50s. Actually, he just you know he kind of <laughs> he he kind of he looks older. Is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um I. I don't know. This is a fucking clusterfuck. Uh, the thing about, I, I understand that they're, they're uh, I'm glad that they're sticking by their guns, and we don't know every part of the story. But Global Force Wrestling, it just seems like, why did you put the title on this guy? <laughs> He's been doing this for a while. There's no way they didn't catch wind of this. Even before when they had the crew for Impact when it was still TNA-based, it's like, I mean, uh, they chose to do this, and it's kind of, like, just mind-boggling. He can go back to AAA, and he's already been champion over there. Um, he's had uh, stuff with, with Johnny Mundo and a bunch of other uh, performers over there. He's like Hulk Hogan, probably, in the, in the AAA or CMLL. So that's fine with Paige. I agree with you. If they have no room for people like Emma or, or uh, Nikki James, Mickey James, I mean, um, I don't know what the hell they're going to do at Paige either. Uh, that's just the women's division as it is. It's very, very tight. And I still can't believe Alberto El Patron is 40. That's uh, pretty crazy. But anyways, uh, Thomas, <laughs> how do you feel about that revelation? Honestly, I'm over both of them. <laughs> but, um, like, if Paige does indeed return, I can see her going on to the SmackDown brand because, you know, you only have a handful of, like, legitimate contenders. I don't see Carmella as one of them, despite being money in the bank holder. I don't see, you know, I don't see Lana. Sadly, I don't see a person like uh, Tamina, as talented as she is. The only real contenders I see are Becky Lynch and Charlotte. So it would be nice to see Paige there. But going on to El Patron, I'm just over him. I've been over him since his last WWE run. I've been over him since all his bitterness. And this is just the icing on the cake. I'm glad they stripped him. I'm glad they suspended him. Hopefully he stays gone, goes back to AAA, and does something where he's out of sight. Out of sight, out of mind. I mean, 
you know, I, I think that that's how a lot of people feel about Alberto. Um, it's because of all this wildness, and I mean, you know, getting on Twitter and making drunk rants about how you're going to beat your ex-boss who kind of is your wife's current boss, Triple H's ass, that's probably not the smartest thing to be able to get ahead. Um, yeah, just collectively everything, it just seems like he is too much for the talent, too much coming, too much uh, baggage, if you will, to come with the talent. So, you know, I maybe he'll do stuff at AAA, and I watch, I've watched AAA before. I've looked up people's names that wrestle in AAA. That's all I've done. But still, I checked it out. It was cool. Um, and I'll, I'll continue to check it out. I'm going to move to, I think, our last topic. Um, guys, Adam Cole has officially signed with WWE, and there's rumors that he's going to possibly be at TakeOver. Um, I'm excited about this finally, but I've been wondering what the hell's going on for, like, the last, I don't know, five months. Uh, since he was kicked out of Bullet Club, I was like, did they, like, kill him and throw him in a river? Like, what happened to Adam Cole? Um, the elite first, really excited about this. <laughs> Yeah, did, did the elite really kill him, Chris, or is that all not true? And he's going to be at Takeover. According to the Being Elite, he's still dead, and his ghost is uh, floating about. So Adam Adam Cole, <laughs> the ghost of Adam Cole is still out there. So I'm expecting Undertaker gimmick, like right off the bat. <laughs> um, I guess my curiosity. Give you a last just, ride. Yeah. I like Adam Cole a lot. I think he's a. Uh, I think it'll be really cool to see him work against people like Aleister Black and um, Cassius Ono, uh, aka Chris Hero, which I know they've worked against each other before. But on NXT level, I think it'll be cool. I, I think there's a lot of cool ma- matchups. Him versus Drew McIntyre. Um, it's it's kind of surprising it took this long. He must have signed a partial contract or something, or a paid appearance contract with Ring of Honor until they could get a NXT deal worked out. And I wonder if it had something to do with his name and, and keeping his name. That seems to be the big problem coming from ring of honor over to uh, NXT. If you don't have like a massive name, like AJ styles or, or someone of that note. So I, I would, I would think that's what kind of held up the deal, but I, I could be wrong. Who knows that way. If I was guessing, that would be my, my guess, but yeah, man, it's going to be awesome. Adam Cole's awesome. So yeah, baby. Um, do you agree with them, Thomas? Uh, do, do you think that Adam Cole is awesome? I absolutely agree. I've been an Adam Cole fan for a very long time, and I'm very excited to see what he does in NXT. Um, I want, like, my prediction is is that McIntyre will end up winning at a takeover, and we immediately get a program between him and Cole. That would be awesome to me. But I'm ve- I'm being very hopeful. I can definitely see him, like, being instant main eventer, though. Like, he has the look. He has the charisma. Like, he has everything that previous NXT champions have had, with the exception of Bo Dallas. <laughs> he looks like Mini Rhino. He really, he really does. <laughs> oh, God. Especially when he was in that new costume before he joined the uh, Miztourage. Yeah, he looked like a little Mini oh, yeah. Rhino. I'm surprised Rhino wasn't like, dude, are you – are you kidding me? I'm stumpy, and you look oh god damn it! But I like I like Bo Dallas, good wrestler. Mike Rotundo's son. Ah, um, his his brother though Bray Wyatt. We'll get to that later. God damn it. Anyways, but I do agree about Adam Cole. I'm very much looking forward to seeing him in WWE. Uh, I'm just kind of like curious about the 
like like we're talking about, like what's going to happen with Bobby Roode, Drew McIntyre? Are they Bobby Roode? You know, he's also forty, I believe. Uh, he needs to transcend to Maine, I think, soon. I think that would be smart. Um, so someone's got to get his title. I don't know about Drew McIntyre. We'll find out at this weekend. But um, you know, she could take the title. Then we have Alistair Black, which I know they're simmering on for a little while. That's fine. Build him. I hope people just don't automatically only want the, the Goldberg effect from him. That's my biggest uh, worry, uh, just short matches. I want to I see him in the ring, you know, having awesome matches like he's been doing recently as opposed to when he first started. Uh, I really just don't know what they're going to do with Kenta or Hideo Itami. Um, doesn't seem like too much of a ceiling. I guess he could be a mid-carder. But I'm just talking about in general for the belt, who's going next? Roderick Strong? Uh, or is that going to be it? Drew McIntyre is going to strip, strip the title, and Roger Trump is going to still be able to have another feud with uh, Bobby Roode before Bobby Roode goes to Maine. I, I, it's a lot to think about, but who is going to basically be going against either Drew McIntyre if he wins or Bobby Roode in the next program? Chris, what do you think? Well, I mean, based on previous booking of NXT, I would assume, I would assume Bobby Roode is at least going to get a rematch. Off, uh, if he drops the title to Drew McIntyre, I just I personally don't see Drew McIntyre as a, as a star. Um, I think he's kind of boring in the ring. Always have, even during his first run in WWE in his in his Impact run. It's just a me thing. I know other people really like him. Maybe they see more in him than I do. He's definitely got a he's got a look and he's a big guy, but I, I never really saw him being a main roster star. Hopefully, what they're doing is getting Bobby Roode up to Raw. I feel like he fits well, especially if they're transitioning Brock out and you need a heel. I think uh, Bobby Roode's a good choice there. Um, or SmackDown. SmackDown's kind of – they need a top heel. He would be good there as well. So he kind of fits in both places. So hopefully they're just positioning him out. Um, as far as who would face Drew McIntyre, I think Cash, Cassius Ono would be your next up if you're not going to do – if you're not going to give Adam Cole a big push right off the bat, I think Cassius Ono has kind of put in the work, and he would be the next, you know, face to take on Drew McIntyre. But I could be wrong. You may be wrong. I may be crazy. But it just might be. All right, anyways, uh, Thomas, uh, <laughs> how, what are your thoughts um, on this subject? Um, honestly, I want to say Roderick Strong has the belt next. But there's there's a certain quality that I feel like Strong might be missing. Like he he has the connection with the NXT universe, but I feel like on camera he's missing something. It's not his character isn't coming off the way it did in Ring of Honor, and it just might be like the transition phase from working Ring of Honor charisma? for so many years to now. because uh, he he shows a little bit of charisma. I mean. Not a not a ton, but definitely definitely enough charisma to get by and be in the spot he's in. But yeah. like I don't I don't know it's weird. Like you look at the NXT landscape and it's so different from like a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and it's like it, there's a very limited amount of spots of like main event stars there that you can say you can legitimately see as the top guy. So I, I feel like Roderick Strong would be the best choice. Cassius Ono is another good one, and it all depends on, like we've talked about before, when they pull the trigger on Aleister Black. 
how they're going to do that. Th- those would probably be my, my three top choices there. Yeah, I mean, those make the most sense. I could definitely see any of them um, coming up. The only reason I say that about Roderick Strong is, like, it's not his fault, honestly. The package videos that he did uh, where it showed, you know, from his perspective, making him relatable, definitely gave him a connection with the NXT audience. But for me, it was, like, the after, like, how I'd be like, William Regal, he disrespected my family. He did, and it's, It was just kind of whiny and, like, just just annoyed me a little bit and, um uh, you know, that's that. nothing against him. I mean, that that that's that's honestly the angle that he's in. Uh, but I don't know. It just I like him. If he does get the title, great. I would love to see actually push for another everyman that's on his own that I hear is doing great on their tours. Is uh, what's call Johnny Gargano. Um, you know, he's been a fucking beast uh, for a while in the Indies. And now, obviously, in NXT, uh, DIY is on a break. Or no, they're they're done. Um, yeah, they're you know, exposing him. Exposing him. Actually, I would love to see him and Roderick Strong in a, in a program, but that's unrelated to. I just thought of that in my head. Anyways, I, guys get. I can't hand. see. I can't see Gargano doing anything like worthwhile until Ciampa comes back. Like I feel like he's just going to keep getting good matches, you know, on NXT. But there's not going to be anything big enough significance until Ciampa comes back from injury. So I, I think the one person point. that is. I, I think the one person they're sleeping on that could be their next main eventer, they're not going to do it, but Eric Young, because Eric Young's still there, and I feel like he's got a ton of charisma, and he works really well in the ring. I think that that could be someone that you could have feud with either uh, either Roderick Strong or Cassius Ono. Um, I don't know where you would do with him on the main roster, but as far as booking NXT goes, I feel like that he would be a uh, good person to put in that spot. I feel like if they do anything with Eric Young on the main roster, all of Sanity has to get called up at the same time for it to be, like, effective. They're not going to start a new Sanity, you know? And as far yeah, as, unless as they far do, as, like, I mean... I'm sorry, go ahead. They could do, like, a mid-card comedy thing with him, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did, uh, because that kind of is see, what they did no, to TNA. Exactly, and that's that's the whole reason why he left TNA, is because he didn't want to be a joke anymore. So I... I'd be really upset if they did that, being the fact that they already have that slot filled with Sami Zayn. Like, let's just be honest. Like, that's exactly what they turned Sami Zayn into. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I God. So, I'm so sad of pressing. Put the fuck... You know what I realized? Put the fucking on him. Put the mask back on him. Let him be a monster. <laughs> I, I, ugh, man, there's so many parallels. But I realize, like, you know, like, you, you guys know I do. I... I I analyze wrestlers from 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 uh, now and then. He basically, I've come to the conclusion, is our own heart, and it's also about the treatment of him within the WWE that kind of represents that concept. Besides the fact he's Canadian, an excellent athlete, and also had a masked uh, alter ego from beforehand. But uh, yeah, to me, when it comes down to Sami Zayn, you talk about underutilized. That man is ridiculously underutilized. Um, to, to the same effect, like I'm saying, of Owen during his era was completely under. I mean, they go against the biggest, but they're kind of like the greatest. I can't call him a jobber. There's no way I'm not. I'm not going to do that. But like, they'll win, but they'll also lose, and then people love them. And it's like, what happened to Luke Harper? Damn it! God damn it, WWE! All right, all right, we need to get back on track, guys. I have a show to do. <laughs> this is just getting ridiculous and angry. And I'm not about. Well, actually, I'm kind of about that. I, I like I like experiencing anger. 
But um, let's go away from WWE for a little while, um, and let's venture into Japan. Uh, there was a tournament that we started going over, and I think we got to day six or seven. Um, man, that was a lot to cover that me and Chris kind of went through. <laughs> but now we're, we're, we're going to do it a little bit different. Uh, Thomas, Chris, we're, we're going to go over the two matches of the semifinals going into the finals, uh, one of them being the third, Omega Okada. And these three matches in general is the reason why I love New Japan. Let me just start off by saying that. The stuff that they're able to do, uh, pull off the story itself, you know, the in-ring psychology, uh, but also just the crazy action. And, you know, I love it when I watch it a second time because I can tell how they made a certain spot safe. But then there's other times where I watch friggin' Naito with that, that reverse Arana off the top ropes with Omega and watch the impact. And I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are fucking nuts. Like, jeez. Like, there's no way after battling – 19 days in a row, basically, because you're either doing a tag match on the off day or you're doing your main match for the tournament, you know, that they, they, they're such conditioned athletes. And my, my, my hat goes off to them for being able to do that. Some of it just that, that you're an Augie, Okada, and Omega hat. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, let's start off with Naito and Tanahashi and that first match. I mean, you had Tanahashi that was dealing with a torn bicep while Naito uh, had been, uh, you know, working through a shoulder injury. And it started off kind of slow. I mean, there were some amazing uh, spots throughout the whole entire thing. Uh, I mean, there was parts where Tanahashi, well, he's kind of had his build-up with Nato uh, with their matches. I believe it's actually, is this the third one in their, you know, feud going on with the Intercontinental title? I think it might have been. Yeah, this this was so the third the, match because they they faced off. Tanahashi lost. Nato lost the title, and then Tom, this is kind of a rematch. It wasn't for the title, obviously, but this this was their third match. Yes. Okay, so that's awesome. That's also I love New, New Japan's because Gato and all the other guys over there really booked this stuff in advance. I mean, I'm expecting if. If if NATO and Omega were last year and Omega won, and then this one, NATO, I'm wondering if next year is going to be the same thing, but that's going to be predictions. We can go over that later. All I'm saying, this match was apeshit crazy. Just a fun match uh, overall. Uh, NATO fights off the cloverleaf, uh, making it to the ropes several – I mean, it was just – I'm going to pass it to you, Chris. Um, how did you feel about this match? Go over some of the highlights that you liked. I mean, honestly, I liked everything about the match. I liked that they slowly built up to it. It was a safely worked match with both guys being injured. Um, kind of Tanahashi looking after NATO a little bit. They did some some crazy spots. I would say the high fly float to the floor was the craziest spot they did as far as, like, if someone was going to get hurt, that was probably the spot. But the, the match itself was great. Um, I think the way the announcers built it was really good from the translated version I watched. Um, and the finish was amazing. I think the finish made the whole match for me with the way they brought the referee in. And, and previously in the tournament, he had uh, called off a match. And he's yelling at NATO. And in the translated version, he's actually saying, NATO, he's saying, you don't tap out. I'm just going to throw this match. You're going to lose. And then it's like when NATO's fingertips are away from the ropes for the second time. And he, he just barely gets the ropes. And they set up and go into the finish. And... Um, 
to me, that made the entire match. I thought the match itself was, was great. It's probably Tanahashi's best match of the tournament, and that's saying a lot because we're going through those match lists. <laughs> Last week, I had Tanahashi oh. listed a lot, though he's injured. But Tanahashi, uh, he held his own in this tournament, injured and everything. I, they need to give the guy a break. Hopefully they do, and he rests up and, and heals. Um, but, yeah, man, that match – all of these matches we're about to talk about were fucking incredible, but this was a great match, and uh, I, it was cool to see Nato get the win over Tanahashi after losing the title. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, if anything, I feel, unfortunately, out of the three, this one's going to get sad on the most, um, but it was an awesome match, and I did love the ending, too. Uh, Thomas, how would you feel about this match? I think Chris nailed it on the head, honestly. Like, there's not much more that I can say that he hasn't already. I, I truthfully feel like this was one of those hidden gems on the card. It's like, you knew what to expect, being the fact that they've been around, you know, New Japan forever. But it still left a lot to the amazement of the fans and a, a lot to me, because I fully expected Tanahashi to win that match. And I, was, I was thankful that he didn't at the same time, just because I didn't think they were going to repeat last year's G1, like whether it be Omega winning or not. Like my pick for the entire thing was Naito. So it was a pleasant surprise for me. I Um, think it was a pleasant surprise for a lot of people. What were you going to say? I think, like Chris said, the high fly flow was probably the spot where, you know, if anybody was going to get more injured than what they already were, that was going to be it. I love how you say more injured. My God. I mean, uh, so let's, yeah, I mean, they're both banged up. I know, and, it, and, and to me, uh, Kenny Omega, especially, you know, we're about to go into his two matches now in a row. After him and Naito, he looked like an old woman. Like, the life was sucked out of his fucking face from just being exhausted. Like, my God, these guys. All right, Okada versus Omega, three. 30-minute Broadway, baby. Um, incredible match. I liked it a lot. I need to watch the second one because the first one's still my favorite. Um, but I need to watch the second one to really scale these. I'm sure this is probably going to be third, but it's not because it's short. I mean, I don't know. It might have been short, but they, they did a lot of crazy shit in that short amount of time. And oh, let no. me just say that that reversal run on the floor uh, after the reversal of the uh, tombstone was ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I saw, like I said, the second time I watched it, I saw Okada place his fingers down perfectly and he can kind of, he does this all the time and he just rolls himself into it. But my God, they did some stuff that was just nuts. And I'm sure some of the injury to his neck, he's definitely going to be having a stiff neck the next day if it wasn't actually messed up or not beforehand. But the guy's just, you know, from start to finish, just going after each other. I was really excited being a Kenny Omega fan. Sorry, Okada fans. I love him too. But finally, Omega gets a win over him. Like, you know, it was crazy. I was like, are they really going to do this? And they did. And now it makes so much sense because both guys have an up. They had a draw, their second match. It's got to set up for something in the future. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I know we're getting an Okada versus Omega 4. To, for all the marbles and shit. But, um, man, uh, Chris, how did you like this match? 
I mean, obviously, these these two, they just have such great in-ring chemistry. They know when to, you know, put the pedal to the metal and, and really just beat the absolute shit out of each other and then slow down and let, uh, let you know, Omega get some heat. Uh, the outside spots were a little crazy. Uh, I like the suicide dive into just, like, a bunch of empty chairs. I thought that was kind of a cool spot. Um, I loved the way... That last time we talked about this, we talked about how many times Okada tried to hit the Rainmaker and how the reversals were very similar. But in this match, it seemed like every time he went for the Rainmaker, Kenny Omega hit a different reversal, which I thought was different than the first two matches. Like there was one time where he high kicked, uh, high kicked Okada's arm out from the uh, the arm lock where the short arm clothesline he kicked that out there was another time where he uh you know he just straight stiff armed him in the face there was another time where he uh flipped underneath and basically gave i mean i don't i don't know what you would call i guess it was an sto but basically a rock bottom um off the rainmaker uh there was some just some really cool reversal spots there was also like a billion v triggers in this match and okada just he's he's just so good at selling it looks like everyone kills him um, there was that cool dragon uh, dragon suplex on the apron spot. Everything about this match yep. was awesome, and I think that the uh, the way that they've like built up Okada as um, this person who's been kind of unbeatable for an entire year, and then in the tournament he had this brutal match with Evil, which I don't want to necessarily we don't have to necessarily get into that, but I also thought that was a great match, and it was a surprise victory because Evil won, so it kind of showed that Okada could be beaten leading up to this match, which I liked, and I think it kind of built on the drama of the fact that, you know, Omega's been beating him down um, over and over and over again until it led up to this victory. So, I, overall, I liked the match. I liked the booking. Um, I think they did a lot in 30 minutes, especially coming off that 60-minute uh, time limit draw match. And uh, they both look like solid fucking gold all the time anyways. I, I love Okada. I kind of wish he would have won, but, you know. That's just because I'm, I'm a fucking Okada Mark, so. Goddamn Okada Marks. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm an Okada Mark, too. I, I will say that I think that you said the rock bottom. I think that might have been what I was talking about. I might have forgot to mention. When when Kenny Omega drove uh, Okada with the Uranagi into the ground, Okada is so amazing at selling, I really thought he knocked him out. Um, and it's not like he didn't knock anyone out this whole entire tournament. But uh, Thomas, how, how did you feel about Okada Omega Three? Honestly, the way that they've built their feud, like Chris said, they have such amazing chemistry. It's going to be a hard one to top. I feel like Kenny Omega proved that he belongs in that heavyweight division, and I feel like Okada proved that he deserves to be heavyweight champion. Like last thing until the semifinals of the G1 tournament as the IWGP champion. That's that's pretty impressive in this day and age. And it makes me feel like when Omega finally does get a chance to run with the belt and Okada's chasing him this time, that it will make for an even more epic story than what's already been told. The three matches they've had so far, that was my favorite one. And I didn't think I'd say that after Omega Okada 2. Yeah, those matches were crazy. And, I mean, kind of brings me into another concept real quick that we can talk about is that has to be one of the greatest trilogies of wrestling matches, period. 
Um, I made a top five action on Facebook just trying to get conversation. Got a little traction, but, uh, you know, I don't think I, I used the right lure to catch the fish, if you know what I'm saying. Um, but let, let's talk about this concept because there's been some great trilogies in wrestling uh, as far as a series of matches that happened throughout two guys' careers and just based off of chemistry. Um, I, I think that, obviously, the Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair trilogy comes to mind. Um, I think that... The, the TLC, Edge Christian, um, you know, Hardy's Dudley's, those come to mind too. Kind of completely yes, yes. different, completely different eras, um, but amazing trilogies. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, their great first Hell in a Cell match, and then followed by those incredible matches of WrestleMania. I forgot which ones they were specifically. I think it was 34, 35, but where Shawn inevitably retired. And I, I, where does this rank? Uh, for, for you guys, like everyone, when we talk movies, what's your favorite movie trilogy? What wrestling trilogy to you is the best? Uh, actually, I'll start with uh, Thomas. What do you think? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, if I had to, I would probably say Michael's Taker. It's because those, like, Michael's and Taker, honestly, are probably, you know, our generation's you know, Okada, Omega. Like, you have the younger fans that are probably into Okada and Omega more than they are Michaels and Taker because they're stuck-up internet fans, whatever. But, like, for a kid of the Attitude Era like myself, like, that was where it was at. You see these two legends, these two guys that, you know, have battled their entire careers on parallel, uh, on parallel levels, and every time they finally got to intersect... It was magic every single time. Like, there's not a lot of wrestling matches you can say that about. I, I think Michaels and Taker is it for me. I mean, great series of matches. I would say that those two probably are the two and one between the Okada Omega and, and the HBK and uh, Undertaker series. What, what do you think, uh, Chris? I think as far as match quality goes, as amazing as Taker and Undertaker was, I would put Okada Omega above that and if I went complete storyline in the way that the WWE built it and the mystique of the Undertaker and the streak um, I think that slightly edges it out even though the storyline in the build was was great my personal favorite probably feud of all time is Terry Funk and Lawler leading up to the empty arena match where Terry Funk is uh, basically blind in one eye so uh, that's kind of the one that I would go to because it's my all-time favorite. But if we're just talking about those two, I would say probably Taker and Michaels knit more. Um, also because it led to one of, you know, the greatest wrestlers of all time retiring. So it's like, you know, like Okada didn't retire after he lost Kenny Omega. So it kind of, the storylines themselves build up the few plot too. And I think on that standpoint, like HBK and uh, HBK and, HBK and Taker definitely take it for me as far as, like, the past, I don't say, 20 years. Because the feud I'm talking about is in the, you know, uh, 1981. So, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that one. Just a fun thing to have a conversation about for sure. And um, that's it for Omega Okada 3. Uh, we're going to, I think, have a fourth one. Okada, the champion, now uh, obviously lost. Just like Tanahashi, the Intercontinental Champion, lost. NATO versus Omega will be what we're going to. But before that, I want to talk about when Shibata came out, guys. Um, it's been a long time, you know, 
it's been a long time since what happened with Shibata, where he gave the uh, the headbutt um, to Okada and hurt himself pretty badly. Uh, I mean, he he was having problems seeing at at different times, nerve issues. Uh, definitely has done some damage to his brain from all the shots the man has received and obviously given from himself. Um, but he came to the ring, his music hit, uh, people went crazy, the whole entire arena, people are crying by the end of this, and Shibata returned, he got in the ring, and he didn't say much. Uh, he sat down for a second, he re-examined everyone in the arena and said, I'm alive, that is all, and then left. Um, so, you know, it's been speculated that he's probably going to be among the trainers or staff involved. I don't think we're going to see uh, Shibata in the ring, and I don't think we have to. Um, in, in a lot of ways, this kind of reminds me of, you know, WWE's, uh, I mean, in a way, Daniel Bryan almost. Uh, this is much more short and sweet of what he had to say. Um, I hope we get some more clear answers. As long, I, I want to know if he's healthy, basically. Um, that's that's the main concern. Um he looked great, but, uh, yeah, it was crazy to see that. Uh, Chris, uh, let me know. How did you feel about the return of Shibata? As a big Shibata fan, I got slightly emotional when I watched this. I'm kind of glad that I did not look at the reviews before I watched the highlights of G1 and then the actual show because seeing him come out and hearing the commentary and, and what he had to say, I, I think personally if that – if even if that is his retirement Beach, I think that's the way Shibata should go out because he, he was portrayed as such a badass shoot fighter that if he's going to say something, that, that would be what he says is when he walks away from the wrestling business. And like like I said, this, this shit made me very emotional. I thought I was about to cry like old, like <laughs> Edge retired shit. I was like, oh man, no, not Edge. Don't take him from me. Um, I'm glad that he's healthy. It was nice seeing him walk to the ring, sit in the middle of the motherfucker and have something to say. So just the, I, I hope that everything is well with him. I hope he lives a long life, no matter what he chooses to do. Um, and, man, I, I fucking love Shibata, and I felt like he could have been, like, one of the biggest stars in New Japan. So the, the whole incident really sucks. We've talked about it on past shows, but just Shibata, get well, take care of yourself, and train some other motherfuckers to be as good as you are, and that will be greatly appreciated. Uh, Thomas, same thing. Hi. I absolutely agree. I, I myself am a huge Shibata fan, and uh, I did get emotional. I'm not. I'm not afraid to admit it. It was a small tear in my eye. Um, but definitely, if that was his way of saying goodbye, I think that was the perfect Shibata way because he's always been a man of few words. And it was very weird seeing him in street clothes in a ring, by the way. <laughs> but uh, it was. I honestly hope that if he does come back, he's safer. No more headbutts, nothing stupid like that. Uh, if this is the end, then honestly, thank you for inspiring people like me to throw hard kicks and not care. <laughs> but Shibata, Shibata is one of those guys that there's only one of them, you know? And, and it's it's going to be weird not having him back in the ring, but if he's able to help bring on the next generation of New Japan Young Lions into New Japan superstars, wrestlers, whatever they call them, then I think we're going to be just fine. 
Absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, Shibata. It was good. It, it's great having the matches that we have with him. All right, let's continue, guys, to this last match. Uh, to see NATO versus Kenny Omega. All right, if – how do I phrase this? I'm going to – I want to I wanna talk about this a lot, but I'm just going to ask you directly, Thomas. Okay. How the fuck do you guys do this type of shit? And the, the <laughs> level of, of – of, the level of, of, of just ridiculous spots that should not be done – uh, you know, that one pile driver in the middle where, where Nato looked like he just went straight up in the air. Uh, of course, if you watch it, like I said, brutal. you can tell <laughs> Kenny Omega definitely moved one way to be able to have his head go down. But the especially the reverse Arana from Nato to Omega, off the friggin' ropes, onto his head. I thought he killed, I thought he killed Kenny, you know. Oh my God, he killed Kenny is what I said. And I wasn't even talking about fucking South Park. But how, how do these guys do this? This is this is nuts. Honestly, brother, like it it takes a lot of balls to do what we do. Like everybody wants to be a pro wrestler, but it is it is not as easy as doing a rock bottom and getting a pin. Like it's it's honestly one of the more physically challenging things I've done in my life. Like I went from a baseball career to becoming a professional wrestler and it was it was a very dramatic change because, you know, you have to teach your body to do the opposite of what it's used to. Like, you have to train your body to fall a certain way. You know, you have to train your body to be able to tuck its neck when needed to be rather than, you know, defy gravity and go straight head first. Perfect example is that reverse Frankensteiner. Like, oh, my God, how brutal that spot was. <laughs> and it was it – was, it's horrifying to sit here and think about, you know, all the times where spots have gone wrong and, you know, how a slight change in direction, a slight change in how you moved your body can make the biggest difference. But guys like Naito and Omega, like, they are athletes out of this world. Like, athletes have surpassed myself and a lot of guys in the same scene that I am. Like, they are, like I said about Shibata, they are truly one of a kind. And you can't you can't fake what they do, man. You can't fake what we do as wrestlers. It, it's it, it's one of those Jekyll and Hyde things where it's so cool but so dangerous, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I, I just, uh, all of you guys, just, I am praising you. I'm not worthy. My God. And their necks over there have to be made out of steel. I think that they implant like a steel plate across Okada and Omega's neck. Like, my God. Uh, Chris, how did you feel about this match? I, I'm pretty sure you said this was your favorite out of the three. This was my favorite match of the G1 tournament in general. And I know I'm going to get some shit for this because Okada Omega, but honestly, Nato worked his fucking ass off. He had that great hangman's neck breaker on the, uh, on the apron and then back to the floor right afterwards. I thought there were some really cool spots. I like they, uh, they did a fake botch twice in this match. You had a, uh, the table spot where it looked like they missed the table completely and he killed Kenny Omega. You roll it back, see Nato kick the guardrail out of the way and just take a little bit of magic away. And then you also see the spot where they go for the, uh, the superplex 
and it looks like Kenny slips and gives him a DDT into the turnbuckle, and it looks like Nato's head just hit the post. Like, hit there's the just post, so yeah. many, like, unique, cool spots that I had never seen before in wrestling. I'm sure someone's done it before because, you know, people do crazy shit all the time, but it was just absolutely a fucking incredible match with really cool spots, and I think it, it's going to get slightly looked over because it does. the name is not Okada Omega, but it was it was absolutely amazing, and then seeing NATO get the win, um, and then tease throwing the fucking I wish he would have threw the trophy, but just teasing throwing the trophy was good enough for me. Um, <laughs> I loved it. I loved NATO's build. I liked him going over Tanahashi, and then kind of getting revenge over Omega this year, who kind in in a way disrespected the G1 last year with the flags and everything. If you watched G1 this year. So him not throwing the champion or the uh, the trophy was kind of kind of a cute little homage. I I, I liked everything about this match. I liked. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to Nato Okada because usually whoever wins the G1 gets a title shot, and I hope that they put the belt on Nato. I think he's the most over person in New Japan right now, as far as with the Japanese crowd. Um, not taking anything away from Okada, but I feel like, you know, NATO is, is the most over, and I think the guy they title on. And then you can build to, um, you know, Omega, NATO, and then if NATO, or NATO loses the title to Omega, you can do Omega uh, like, like we were like well, actually, like Thomas was saying earlier, you, then you have the opposite chase where you have Okada versus Omega again, Omega having the title and the champion's advantage, so to speak. Yeah, uh, I just I keep on thinking about this match and just I love how they were able to make botches like they coordinated botches like that's that to me is ridiculous. The table like he, like we said on the outside how he pushed it over and caught him basically on the way down to make it look like he basically missed the table and pile drived him to the floor. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, just just Nato's head going into the post. Um, how many destinos it took to be able to finally get Kenny Omega to be done, uh, just the back oh, yeah. and forth. This match was absolutely fucking bonkers, the whole entire thing. They painted a masterpiece, I believe. You know, if we're, if we're doing the Metzler scale, if we're doing the, me- me- the Metzler scale, uh, I'm going to give this a seven and a half. So there's my uh, rating <laughs> for it. Um, See, that's not even fair, though. Yeah. Kenny Omega was in it. That's, that's not even fair. Uh, Whatever you know, tomato, tomato, tamale. We'll talk about we'll tra- we'll talk about it on the Observer next week. Just don't worry about it, okay? Um, yeah. All right. Well, well you should guys, ask Thomas. Thomas. Well, you should ask you should ask Thomas how he actually feels about the match because you basically just asked him how he fucking does the shit he does. And the answer <laughs> I guess is that's the first a good point, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I'm uh, sorry, Thomas. I I didn't really think about it, but honestly, how did you feel about the match? <laughs> no, like, oh, it was a great was match. <laughs> it was a great match. It it too was my favorite of the G1, and I had I had a lot of favorites, but like that topped it. Um, like it takes a lot to be able to like it takes a lot not to fuck up. But to purposely, like, to purposely fuck up and make sure that your purposeful fuck up doesn't fuck up, like, that's, that's insane. Like, I have never, 
in my life seen a more organized match than that. Like, it was a car wreck. It was, it was a masterful car wreck, and I loved every single second of it. Like, wow. <laughs> I'm really glad Naito got the win. I really hope that come January 4th he gets his shot and, you know, nothing interferes with that because if I'm correct, uh, Evil should be having a shot coming up. I'm pretty sure Omega's going to have a shot coming up before then. So, you know, hopefully nothing screws that up. Because I, I really want to see Okada and Naito go at it. I have a quick question for everyone before we move on. This shouldn't sure. take long, but do you think that this is in there with match of the year versus the first Okada, second Okada Omega match? Well, ironically enough, they're all Kenny Omega, so he wins anyway. <laughs> but uh, I, I truthfully think it does. I, I think it's up there. And if it's not, it's a damn shame. Um, I would say, yeah, I, I would definitely say that you could consider it up there for match of the year. I mean, like like we just, you know, discovered, it's just funny because Kenny Omega is involved in all of them, and, and two of them are the first two Okada Omegas. It just says a lot about those three guys in particular. Um, you know, it's the same way, I guess, and, yeah, I, I will compare it a little bit with WWE. The way I look about, uh, you know, someone like John Cena, AJ Styles, and Kevin Owens. Obviously, I think the guys over New Japan are on a different level um, well, I don't know. KO and AJ could put on a damn good match with all of them. What I'm trying to say is those are probably their best guys. Um, Kota Ibushi's not a full-timer. Uh, Tanahashi is great, but I guess kind of like John Cena, too. He's from the last generation. Obviously, Shibata's gone. Shinsuke is in WWE. So, yeah, those guys... Uh, Tom and Tom, that's what I loved about the tournament itself, is I get to get exposed to a lot of the older wrestlers that I didn't know much about and a lot of the newer wrestlers. So for this, for being the first time, you know, seeing Tom Tonga by himself and seeing uh, Suzuki and how crazy he is and, and, and seeing Kota Ibushi's last tournament, I mean, this was one hell of a tournament. Um, so I guess the question is, what's going to happen next? Uh, is... Let me let me throw out the scenarios before we move on, guys. Are we going to get another Okada Omega before we get NATO Okada? And if uh, Okada goes against NATO, does NATO get the belt? How would you book it? I believe actually he would, and then you'd have Omega and Okada fight without a belt involved for the last time between the two of them and their rivalry growing. Uh, how do you feel, Chris? I honestly think uh I honestly think that you that you're gonna have the evil Okada match first. Um with maybe Okada even blaming evil for his loss his his final loss against Omega. And then they kinda build to that. And then you probably will get, you know, Okada versus NATO. And then I think NATO is gonna be the one to take the title. Um I don't know how they're gonna build to that in the middle. But I think you're gonna get you're gonna end up with uh, NATO versus Omega in America with NATO finally with NATO losing to Omega for the title here in the U.S. I think that's where they're gonna have him win the belt, and I feel like it makes the most sense to, booking wise to give it to him without him beating Okada, so that you can restart that feud. 
Um, and if you refute it, like if you redo it from the opposite perspective, and he has to worry about the elite and all of that stuff, I think you can really build something really, really cool with Okada Omega off that. And I think Nato is the right person to have the title for a little bit. So I- I'm perfectly fine with that. Thomas, same question. Um, I, too, think we get evil. Uh, evil Okada before we get another Omega Okada. I I think that how would I book that? I think evil wins by disqualification just to ensure that Okada keeps the belt. Um, Omega I'm sorry, uh, Okada wins by disqualification just to make sure he ensures the belt. Well, he keeps the belt. Like Omega attacks Okada or something like that. Um, I think somewhere down the line we get a Chaos versus Bullet Club match with the implications being that if uh, Bullet Club wins, then Omega gets another shot. Um, Omega, uh, Omega wins that. And then in January, it's Naito and Omega. Naito loses that. Okada gets his rematch down the line. And somehow Naito gets involved in that. And we have a triple threat IWGP heavyweight title match, which to my recollection in recent history, it hasn't been done. So I think that would be really cool to incorporate all three of, like, the big talents that New Japan has right now. Like, a lot of people call Tanahashi the ace, but truthfully, I think Naito has taken that spot. Like, Naito is so versatile. Like, there's so many ways to go about it, and I'm really not sure how I would do it, but I feel like that's the best method of doing so. Definitely a good idea. Um, We'll have to find out in the next couple months. uh, Wrestle Kingdom is, I believe, December. So uh, that's coming up soon. That's basically New Japan's WrestleMania. So uh, there's going to be a lot happening between now and then. I'm just glad that all these guys get a chance to rest for a little bit. My God. I mean, seriously, think about this. If you don't watch New Japan, these, these men performed in the ring for, you know, not short matches. These are not like your in-between matches on Raw and shit. You know, even their tag matches on their, their what's supposed to be off-night are still getting them, you know, smacked around. And this goes on for 19 nights. It's just, you know, mind-boggling. Obviously, the people that don't advance trickle off, but some of these guys go all the way to the end, like the three people that we just talked about, pretty much the trinity, if you will, of New Japan, Naito, Kata, and Omega. Thank you so much for the G1 Climax. I can't wait for next year. It's been a blast being a first-timer for it. Um, also, if you guys want to talk, we're now going to go over our predictions for NXT um, TakeOver, Brooklyn, and also SummerSlam now. But uh, give us a call at 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold. Press 1 to join the conversation. Ask a question, and we'll go over some stuff with you. It'll be great. All right, guys. Let's go back from Japan over to uh, Connecticut. Um, well, not in Connecticut. But, you know, uh, yeah. It's, 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 hey, we get to go to NXT first. So we're going to Florida first before we go 
Uh, well, actually, it's in Brooklyn. Just, we're fucking going to WWE. We're done with New Japan. Anyways, so let's go over these matches. Uh, this is not exactly in order, um, uh, but for the most part, this is, this is believed to be the order, if you will. We have Johnny Gargano versus Andretti Cien Alamos. Uh, that was set up first, or well, actually, right at the end, uh, basically, throughout an interview on NXT last week. Johnny Gargano said, I need an opponent. And then later on, uh, Cien Almos uh, has this new uh, awesome, um, you know, he's not trying to do the tranquilo thing uh, like NATO, actually. Well, lots of people do that. But anyways, uh, he has a new manager that's keeping him oh, straight and I'm, getting him away from all I'm, of that. I'm offended by that. I caught that. Uh, what, what, what? What did I say? Yeah, a lot of people do the tranquilo thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh man! I didn't, I something? I didn't. Dane's gonna get the boomstick. <laughs> okay, that's not what I meant, T Brew. I can call you T Brew, right? You said that was that was cool. Um, that, that's not that, that that's not exactly what I meant. You know, I mean, Shawn Michaels used to do it on the ropes, and so did Austin Aries, and uh, <laughs> people do it all the damn time. What I'm trying to say is. Johnny Gargano, Adra- and, uh, God damn it, Andrade Cian almost, uh, two of them in the ring, should be a damn good match. I like both of these guys. I think Gargano's going over. How do you feel, T-Brew? <laughs> well, you got to remember something about Almas. He was a part of the original uh, Los Ingobernables in Mexico. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a homage to his, his roots. But I think... Uh, like I was saying before, I think Gargano is going to get a lot of solid opponents. I think Gargano is going to get a lot of quality matches, but he's not going to do anything big until Ciampa comes back. And I feel like Almas is in this transition state with, I don't even know what her gimmick name is, but uh, Tia uh, Trinidad. Galina, Galina Vega? Oh. Galina Vega? Yeah, Yolanda yeah. Vega, sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, we're going to... We're going to see a lot of, like, just weird moments. Like, not, not weird as in strange, but just, like, character-wise with Almas because they're, going, they're, they're doing a transition with him. But it's going to be a solid match regardless, and Gargano gets the W. Man, now I'm starting to wonder if Nato and Almas went against each other, who would do more tranquilos between the two? Um, <laughs> yeah. Chris, I, I know you ponder more intelligent things than that. How do you feel uh, about this match? Who's going to win? Yo, so did you guys see when Nato, like, did the tranquilo and then did the suicide dive? Like, what up? It was amazing. That was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> We're in NXT. <laughs> we didn't talk about that, but <laughs> um, I think CN's going to go over, honestly. I think, really? it'll be a, I think it'll be a cheap win. But I feel like they really like his character, especially on NXT TV, and I feel like they're just going to keep building that program. And they did a similar thing with uh, Gargano in the past with Sanity. Or they did it with Roderick Strong. It was Roderick Strong um, where Sanity kept screwing him over and over and over again, and then finally he beat them in, like, a really where he just outsmarted both of them. And I I feel like they might go that route just because of NXT booking. Um, and I feel like they like CN a lot, so uh, I think that gives them some stuff to work with on TV. So that, that's why I'm going that route. Um, not because Johnny Gargano is not great, because he is great. I saw him wrestle Gunner from TNA. 
here in Atlanta, like in 2012. And I was like, this dude's amazing. Uh, he was the <laughs> NWA champion then. So, uh, yeah, no, I, Gargano's got a lot uh, ahead of him. And I think that, you know, like you said, they're waiting for, obviously, the uh, tag partner versus tag partner match. But I feel like they're going to build this feud out a little bit because this is kind of going to be their mid-card for a while. Uh, as far as like a feud goes, so I feel like he might uh, CN might get the win here. Yeah, I could definitely see it going like that. Especially, you know, now I'm thinking about it, the the uh, Vega being there. Maybe they're they're kind of like showing you that maybe he doesn't uh, win clean. I mean, it is CN almost. So I mean, if they were to do that, it wouldn't strike me either way. And I mean, as long as we have a good match, that's all I care about. With NXT, usually, I don't have to worry about it. We're, we'll get to SummerSlam. Uh, anyways, um, so the next match that we're going to go over is Aleister Black versus Heido Atami. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm, I'm thinking that um, Kenta is going to push Aleister Black to the limit. Uh, you know, they both hit strong, but man, Kenta can hit really hard. Um, I don't know. I, I, I know Alistair Black's going to win, but it's just weird because where where do they go with Hayoto Otami after this? Um, I can't see Black not winning, but I definitely don't think this is going to be a short match. How do you feel about it, Thomas? Um, see, this is this is tough for me. I feel like I feel like they are going to go to distance. I say maybe fifteen minutes. Both men have a kickboxing back, uh, background legitimate, and it's, it's going to be a hard-hitting match. Um, I don't see Black losing, but if that is his 1L, that's not a bad way to go, especially if, if they end up keeping Atami in the main event picture. However, with his interactions with you know, Cassius Ono, I feel like that can play a factor as well. Maybe Ono distracts Atami. Wait, does Ono have a match for TakeOver? Not yet. He's not booked yet. Yeah, well, and on, tonight on was the, the last the NXT. Have. Yeah, tonight was the last NXT, so I, unless they announce something, I don't think one's going to happen. So they'll probably do something with, uh, with Ono there. Maybe distract Atami, turns around, boom, Black Mass. But... I think it'll be a strong showing, and I feel like this is the kind of competition that Atami has needed for a long time. Agreed. And maybe, just maybe, it can legitimize him again because he's lost a lot of his luster since he signed. Like, the injuries did not help him at all. And I feel like he's just, like, he played second fiddle to Nakamura uh, when Nakamura was down there. Like, nobody cared about, about Itami being the hot Japanese import anymore. It was all about Nakamura, and I think that hurt him. That hurt a lot of his stock, and I think this is his chance to, to get a little bit of it back. I agree, but I think that if him and Black have a long, drawn-out, badass match where, you know, we're the winners, basically, which we're talking NXT, there's potential there. You know, even if Black gets a win, it could still make Atami look good, if that makes sense. I, well, of course oh, you're talking, talking about. Um, <laughs> Chris, who do you think is going to win this match? Uh, I think Aleister Black is going to win clean. 
I, I agree with Thomas as far as he got treated as kind of a, a second best Japanese prospect when Nakamura showed up. And I think that was incorrect because I think right now he is a better wrestler than Nakamura um, as far as what he can do as the WWE style goes. That being said, I feel like what's going to happen is Black will get uh, get the early offense and just kind of start demolishing, and then uh, they'll do a comeback with a Tommy, and then just out of nowhere, Black Mass finish. That's kind of where I see this going, where it's like, oh, okay, well, he just does this out of nowhere and demolishes him, because that's kind of how WWE likes to book. But I could also see the Cassius Ono coming out and messing with the Tommy or just attacking him beforehand before the match even starts at the beginning of the night. Um, I will say this about NXT. They are, they're really good about not doing bullshit finishes. So yes. I, for the most part, I feel like this will be – I feel like Black's going to get early offense and Tommy will make his comeback and then you'll get Black beat to Tommy clean. The thing that sucks about this is I do think it will be um, – I do think they're going to try to go for match of the night. I feel like it's going to be a long match, like you're saying, Dane. The problem is, is like, if Tommy loses this, he also just lost on the last pay-per-view a match like that against Bobby Roode. So it really hurts Good his point. stock. I would almost rather him win by disqualification by getting attacked by Cassius Ono or something um, because it still makes Black look good, doesn't technically count as a loss. It's one of those times where they can use that in WWE where it's not a terrible thing but uh, I don't know that they're going to do that. I feel like they want to make Black look strong. They're probably going to put a to- going to put him over a Tommy, and then uh, Tommy will just be in a feud with Cassius Ono whenever they decide to do it. And maybe they give him yeah, wins on TV the- or something. But it's it's always weird because NXT doesn't have as much TV time as normal WWE, and it's pre-recorded. And although it's one of those weird things. Okay, yeah, and um, what was I going to say? So, one thing I got to say is, like, you know, we're, we're, we're saying black because of the concept that we see that NXT's building him, obviously. Um, and, like I've said, like, you know, I've heard people have definitely been more attracted to Alistair back when he was doing the Goldberg thing and just beating people, which I don't want, and a lot of, I don't think, wrestling marks want, want to see. Um but is a loss really that bad? I mean, think about it this way. How many people are undefeated, or how, how often do they do that in NXT? Between Asuka, Drew McIntyre, Killian Dane was at one point, obviously Aleister Black. Um, would it be really Shinsuke that bad for Aleister Black? <clears throat> exactly. It's a trend. What I'm trying to say is, like, would it really be that bad to Black if he loses a match, if he's exposed, or does that kill the mystique? Um, Thomas, what do you think? I feel like a takeover wouldn't be a bad place to give him a loss. Like, I feel like if he was to lose on TV, it would hurt him, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt him on, on pay-per-view. Like, especially to an opponent like a Tommy, like he's a legitimate, you know, badass in every sort of the way. So if he was to go down via to go to sleep, it'd be honorable, you know? Like, say he goes for the black mass, a Tommy duck spins all the way around, go to sleep. That's, you know, it tells a story there, and there's a build to it. It's not like it just randomly happened. So I I think if that's how he lost, absolutely, fine. But 
after that loss, let him get his heat back. Let him let him start winning matches again. Don't don't keep him on a losing streak like how they did with Ty Dillinger. Once Dillinger finally got one, what happened? Loss after loss after loss on TV on takeovers. Like it hurt him a lot. So I I, yeah. I feel like there's there's ways to do it, and if he was gonna lose, it better be at a takeover. Don't do it on TV. I do agree with that concept. I kind of wonder, like, how long Undertaker remained until he lost. I think that was a long time, too. It's like, I mean, if they're building him for that type of mystique level of, like, you know, someone that's unbeatable, you know, it seems like it's a little bit soon to pull a trigger, but then maybe if they make him mortal, he's just a badass, and they could have a series of matches with him and Atami, and Black finally inevitably wins the trilogy. I mean, that's not a bad thing to set up either. Chris, what do you think? I think Drew McIntyre is taking a loss of this pay-per-view, so there's one undefeated streak down, and you leave Aleister Black undefeated. Uh, I don't think that Tommy has the fan push that he needs. I'm not. I think he's a great wrestler. I really do. I think they killed like like Thomas said earlier. I think they killed him with Nakamura, and of course, all of his injuries hurt him. And they're going to have to rebuild him. And I don't necessarily know that they can do that at this point. Once again, I don't see Drew, Drew McIntyre as a star. I see Aleister Black as more of a star than Drew McIntyre. Um, so if you're going to kill one of these streaks, I think Drew McIntyre is the streak you kill and you keep Bobby Roode your champion. You put him against uh, Cassius Ono or even even Aleister Black or, or someone else um, other than putting the title on Drew McIntyre. So I think if you're going to kill one streak, the streak that should be killed is keeping your champ the champion and uh, going that route. And and then Asuka is just kind of on a different level because she's just so much better than the rest of the women they have. I do like Ember Moon, um, but Asuka is like better than any of the females that they have on the entire roster, including WWE. Uh, minus Carrie. You're not wrong. Hurry up and get over to NXT like immediately to wrestle Asuka. But other than that, um, yeah, I think Drew McIntyre taking the loss doesn't hurt as much. It doesn't hurt him as much as it does Aleister Black because Aleister Black has this mystique that I think supersedes Drew McIntyre because a lot of the fans that watch NXT just realize that Drew McIntyre was also the guy in Three Man Band. Yeah, like he had his, he had a shot, he had his chance, and then you know he came back and wait, isn't that absolutely that is? He's the Scottish guitar player. Was Jinder a part of that? Yep. Yes. He was, he Ginger, was the guitar. Drew Mc- All right. Seriously, <laughs> Drew though. Or he's Slater. If, if Drew McIntyre gets the NXT title and Jinder Mahal has, has the SmackDown title, or he's he Slater, man. That kind of sucks for him. I don't think he's going to have the Fox Universe title anytime soon. He's Slater. He's Slater is actually the better worker of all of them, which is fucking even worse. <laughs> that's that's oh, the no, point. To be fair, Mahal's first title in WWE. Mahal's first title in WWE was the WWE title. Not a lot of people can say that. You know, Slater has had a slew of tag team uh, tag team championships across the board. So and correct me if I'm not, wrong, but uh, Jinder Mahal uh, was against Seth Rollins in the finals for the NXT title the first time, right? Yes. Yes. I, I just I well, just know, you know Slater is Slater is the best worker of all three of them as far as like in the ring goes. So he's got kids, man. You know, huh? 
Uh-oh. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm I'm going to say McIntyre is the best worker out of them. I just don't see it, man. He's so slow and just, eh. Well, but, okay. He's, we'll just, he's 6'5", 250. I mean, he, he's I mean, the Bobby WWE Bobby giant. Rude. Like 6'1", 6'2", maybe 6'3"? Yeah, six foot. What's Aleister Black? Let's look at this. Like 5'10", 5'11"? Maybe he's 5'11". I don't know. I think he's shorter than 6'. Six six foot. He might be 5'11", or yeah. he might be 6' even. I, I guess. He's, I don't know. You know, else, you know who else was 6'5", or over 6'5"? The Undertaker. He's not as fucking as boring. <laughs> like, I don't... <laughs> I, I mean, get that he's well, big, but like if gimmick it was he, that he was big, then why was he like jobbing to motherfuckers when he was part of three man band? He has no personality. He's bad he's beard. Super slow. He does have a good beard. As a man that has a nice well, that, beard, I can honestly, say that he look also at him with or without beard. the beard. He looks tough as shit. Like now, obviously, I think that, and I, this is not this is something respectable. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that he could potentially take you know, the position that Sheamus eventually will give up of just this tough, brooding guy that's not the greatest guy in the ring, you know, kind of stiff and, you know, just, oh, I'm a tough guy. I think that's I mean, exactly Drew McIntyre is better strong. than Drew McIntyre is better than Sheamus in the ring. Like, if we're fucking just talking about, especially if we're what just talking about What is wrong with you? <laughs> we're talking about being safe. <laughs> if we're talking about being safe, yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Uh, you know, people's teeth um, but I still like Oni Lorkin. He broke Hito Tommy's nose, so you know. To tomato Somali, let's 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 keep on going on this uh, this takeover yeah. Brooklyn card. We only got to the second match so far. So uh, authors of Kennedy <laughs> for the NXT Tag Team Championships, guys. I think Sanity's actually going to win this. If they do win this, this is what I do know. If Sanity wins this, then they're going to be in NXT for a little while longer. And I'm I'm assuming they're going to do like the 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 Freebird thing with the three of them, which I think would be great. If Authors of Pain win, I think Sanity's going up to Maine together is my prediction. Um, Chris, how do you see it? Uh, Man, this one I actually do see Sanity finally getting a win uh, and then Authors of Pain moving up. And I feel like that they're a good fit on SmackDown to go against someone like New Day. But um, yeah, because I feel like you really only have two Sheamus. tag teams. Yeah, I don't feel like they're going to move Sheamus and Cesaro away from each other yet. So Authors of Pain makes sense as the big brooding tag team on SmackDown, um, and it makes sense to give Sanity the titles. And they still have Eric Young down there, so they can do some cool, cool stuff. And then it's as uh, far as the last conversation goes, we can talk about this offline, Thomas, and I will, I will give you examples. <laughs> He, he will give you examples, trust me. Um, Thomas, same <laughs> question. I think Sanity goes over. Um, which combination of Sanity is it? Is it is it Wolf and Dane? It's Wolf and Dane. Ooh. Ooh. That's tough. Um, no, you know what? I'm going to stick with it. I say Sanity goes over. Um, you made a very valid point as far as AOP going up to be that that tag team on SmackDown because 
the tag team, uh, SmackDown tag team division just feels like it's honestly just the Usos and the New Day and nobody else. There's probably other teams on there. Oh, the Ascension. The Ascension's on there, but they don't get TV time. <laughs> uh, Brazongo, who are doing awesome fashion files, I will admit. But, you know, like, that's, that's not in-ring competition. So it, it, it doesn't measure up to me. So I feel, I feel like if they do put the belts on Sanity, then after AOP gets their rematch, they move up. And then you get, I mean, well, then I, you get New Day versus Authors of Pain, which is just awesome. Thinking about, like, you know, Big E and their wrestling with those guys, I think will be really entertaining. Or Kofi hitting high spots against those guys. Yeah. Just to see where these guys go. And just, I hope they obviously take their manager because, you know, having uh, having him a part of this, you know, as a manager again, like, I'd like to see him. They have to have a talking piece because I don't think either one of the guys speaks the greatest English. And the funny thing is, I thought these guys were brothers or related. And at first, I thought they were Samoan. Oh, no. one's, one's like Iranian and the other one's Albanian, I believe, is, is yeah. the two, which is. I know one is I Albanian. Know. I don't. I don't know for sure what the other one is, but I, I do know one is Albanian for sure. They're just they're scary looking dudes, and uh, we'll find out if they win against the other scary looking dudes and chick. Actually, I like Nikki Crush. She, she I got I got a weird crush on her. Anyways, we'll find out Saturday. Oscar versus Amber Moon for the NXT Women's Championship. Um, there's no way. Oscar's losing. I want Amber Moon to take the title, but I just don't think you don't kill her, her her losing streak. I feel like she has to, you know, like a lot of people have said this. Like the angle should be that she says, "Screw this, I'm done." You know, I'm better basically. Like she's been progressing with her character lately, anyways. And she goes to Maine, and they, you know, and she relinquishes the title. Uh, I don't. I, I think that they should keep on collecting with this uh, losing or this winning streak. I should say. Not losing streak. We're not talking about. Uh, well, I don't even remember his name, so it doesn't matter. Um, you know, with Oscar, this this should continue. I think, and uh, I want Ember Moon to have the title. Don't get me wrong. I think she's the next suitable person to have the title. I just don't know how they do that. Oscar's got to retain the title to me. Um, Chris, do you see it any other way? I could see this. It just sucks that NXT doesn't do time limit draws and that they don't like New Japan this shit because it should just be a time limit draw match, honestly. And then you can build off that, but they're not going to do that. So I feel like Oscar's going to win clean um, in, in a pretty decent match. I think it sucks that it goes on right before the main title match because I don't know. I feel like there should be a buffer in between there, but yeah, I feel like Oscar's going to be Ember Moon. It sucks for Ember Moon because there's no one else that is really relevant for her to beat. Um, and I think that she's pretty good in the ring. She has like a that that flip stunner that she does is fucking awesome off the top rope. Uh, I can't think of what she calls it, but I, I don't the feel eclipse? like they're going to take yeah the eclipse, the eclipse. They're not going to take that title off Oscar just yet, especially with all of the side deals they have in the works with Ronda Rousey and, and the other females that might be moving up to Maine. I feel like Oscar is, is kind of safe. And, and you still have the May Young tournament. Whoever wins that might get a title shot. It's that kind of thing where I, th- I feel like the booking is in a weird spot 
where I don't feel like she's going to lose the title, even though if she did lose the title, I don't think it would be the end of the world. Um, because you can still be like, she used this many wins in a row and then finally lost kind of thing. So I could see that. Uh, Thomas, do you agree or do you see something differently? Um, this one's tough for me. Uh, I truthfully don't have a winner in this. And I, I don't mean that in terms of like a draw. I mean, like it's really hard for me to choose a winner because both of them have been built up so solidly. Like I'd hate to take away Asuka's undefeated streak. But again, like I was saying about, uh, I almost called him Tommy N, about uh, Alistair Black, you know, if they were to lose at a takeover, that would be that would be the place to do it. Like if they had to lose, that would be it. I I can't choose. I really can't. And it sucks because I I want to say in my heart of hearts, Ember Moon gets the win, but I can't see Asuka losing. Like I honestly can't. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, they they've built something. And I think they're going to keep on going with it. So, unfortunately, Ember Moon loses. At least that's what we think. Who knows? Maybe there could be a giant upset, and they'll Oscar will transition to Maine after that. I don't know. Oh, you know, most of the time, like Chris has pointed out, what's up? Um, so I did a little research just now on the author, on the authors of Pain. One is Albanian, and one is Canadian. What? Yeah, I wonder what what I wonder what his nationality is. Like, huh. he doesn't, you know, he's maybe a giant Eskimo. I'm not 100 percent sure, but <laughs> those, the, what 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 matters? Those guys are scary as hell looking. Um, I would not want to meet them in a dark alley. You know, everyone says that concept. Like, who the hell would you want to meet in a dark alley? Uh, anyways, Bobby Roode versus Drew. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so basically they, they they set this up. Bobby Roode's going to be going against Drew McIntyre regardless. Uh, Roger Strong is going to be going against Bobby Roode the following week on NXT. Sounds good to me. Two times Bobby Roode could win or lose. I'm assuming he's going to win both, actually. I'm pretty sure he's going to beat Drew McIntyre, retain the title, and maybe lose to Roger Strong. I don't know. Probably just beat both of them. But I think Rude is going to win at least at TakeOver against Drew McIntyre. So, sorry, Drew. you got to go. Chris, what, what do you think? Who's going to win the championship? I feel like Bobby Rude's still going to hold it because he's the biggest name on NXT right now. I think he's the biggest draw. You're biased. I, don't, I, I am a little biased. I do think he is the biggest draw, though, on NXT. That theme song alone, alone gets him like a million hits on YouTube, bro. <laughs> uh, that being said, I, I I feel like it's going to be a good match, and he's probably going to win with uh, similar to the Itami match where he barely escapes and then hits some DDTs for the for the win. I, I think that's kind of how it's going to go. And then he might be Roderick, and then it sets up a number one contenders match between Drew and Roderick um, later down the line. So I, I feel like that's going to go. I feel like if they're going to change a title on this show, it'll be the tag titles, and then the other two will just kind of sit on the champion. How do you feel, Thomas? Who's winning the championship on Saturday? I'm tired of Bobby Roode. 
I never thought I'd say that, but I'm tired of Bobby Roode as champion. It doesn't do anything for me anymore. Like, it was, it was cool at first. It was great when he first won it. It was great in his first couple of defenses. But now I feel like the reign has lost its luster. Same thing with Jinder Mahal on the main roster. I feel like it was a, a nice novelty. It was something different. And now it's run its course. So with that reasoning, I have to go with McIntyre. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, who knows? I mean, Drew McIntyre has definitely got the look uh, for, for championship material. And, you know, if he's aggressive and he talks like he's talking to the Scottish army, like they're about to go into war, I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, but I still think Bobby Roode's probably going to win. They really need to take him to Maine soon. My God. God, they're going to keep him XT the whole entire time. Just be like, just kidding, man. You get to retire now. Wait, what? All right, guys, let's go into this wonderful SummerSlam. With 30 minutes left, I think I can do this. I know I can do this. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm going to <laughs> ask for permission to skip Big Show versus Big Cass and Brandy Orton versus Rusev because I personally don't give a shit. Um, but if you'd like, we can go over them. We have enough time. I'm just wondering. I'm going to say Cass, and I'll say Rusev. I am Cass, going to agree with you, actually. I, I think I think we're on the same page of that. I think Rusev and Cass. All right, guys, that's all that's really going to happen. Uh, they'll, they'll figure this out, <laughs> and then um, Enzo Amore is probably going to end up on 205 Live in about a week. Uh, if not thrown out of a bus again from Roman Reigns. Who knows? Color right, commentator. Color commentator Enzo. Color commentator. That's what he needs to do. On SmackDown. Well, that's I a agree. quick way to lose I, ratings. I, I... <laughs> I don't know, man. There, I there's a bad commentator. I just said I think that might happen. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when Corey and Booker T go back and forth, I feel like one of them is going to kill the other. Because usually, like, Booker T, like, says something, and it's random and out of nowhere, and then Corey kind of makes fun of him and goes, thanks, Book, that was really good, or something like that. And I'm like, God, I would not act like that to Booker T. I feel like he'd backhand the shit out of me. Uh, yeah. If Booker T shoots on Corey, he's so fucked. Like, there's no coming back from the ass whooping that will be bestowed. Nope, not at all. All right, so Cruiserweight Championship, guys. Akira Tozawa, the champion. Yes, we didn't really go over uh, SmackDown and Raw, but another, one, one thing that was really cool, Akira Tozawa beat Neville in a pretty decent match. Who saw that coming? Well, the rematch I didn't. probably is going to be on the pre-show. <laughs> I, I didn't. I was surprised. I, um, I believe it's so on the pre-show. Who's going to win, Thomas, between Neville and Akira Tozawa? I'm assuming they're not going to take the title off Akira Tozawa this quickly. Oh, they might. WWE has done it before, and they'll do it again. You know, that um, is a good point. I I feel... Pretty? <laughs> oh, so pretty. Um, I feel like <laughs> Neville might win it back. Like... In some fucky way, like I, I'm not exactly sure how, but I think I think Neville wins the belt back. God, I just 
Neville's another one, like Bobby Roode. He's not as old or anything like that. I just think he could be doing a lot more than holding up 205 live with his short but very, very veiny, muscular arms. Um, now that I'm not talking about veiny, muscular arms, Chris, who's going away with the oh, Cruiserweight God. champion? Uh, Kira Tozawa or Neville? I think uh, I think that Akira Tozawa is going to win, but it's going to be because Neville loses his cool with uh, Titus O'Neil and just beats the shit out of Titus O'Neil. That's what I think is going to happen, that's... is that Neville just loses his fucking cool and gets into a fight with Titus O'Neil, and that's how they bullshit us out of the finish, and then they set something up for 205 or uh, the next pay-per-view. Wow. I mean, that would be entertaining, that's for sure. Um, I feel like that's not going to be good for Neville to start a fight with Titus O'Neil, but Neville is a very clever wrestler, so we'll have to find out. All right, guys, John Cena versus Baron Corbin. Another thing that happened on SmackDown, Baron Corbin now might have the worst luck for Money in the Bank win. Uh, he came down to the ring uh, to, to, fuck with Cena, no, to fuck with Cena, uh, Jinder Mahal was definitely destroyed. I thought, now, i, I got to give it to WWE. I thought Corbin was going to leave. I thought that he wasn't going to realize what an opportunity he had. Then, halfway up the ramp, he does the cartoon, and goes back in the ring just to get rolled up by Jinder Mahal and lose the money in the bank. So now we got John Cena, who was making fun of him the whole entire time. People were screaming dumpster fire uh, versus Baron Corbin. Um, I don't know. I, I still think Baron Corbin might win, but it'd probably be dirty. Most likely John Cena is going to win, especially if the rumors are true that he's pissing off people in the back. Uh, Thomas, I know that Baron Corbin is very dear to your soul. How do you feel about this? I love Baron Corbin. Um, I, I do give moves. the win to Cena, though. <laughs> I, I give the win to Cena. Um, it's, it's one of the big four pay-per-views. It's it's got to be Cena, but like it's it's heartbreaking to see how far Corbin has come, and for that to just get robbed from him. Like honestly, what I truthfully thought, had they not done the cash in last night, was that Corbin was going to hold on to it. He was going to lose to Cena. Nakamura was going to win against Jinder Mahal. And then Corbin cashes in against Nakamura to continue what they were doing. Like, that's honestly what I thought. But now, like, it just throws everything off. And it, to me, it throws everything off because now there's no purpose. And I felt this way when Cena lost his money in the bank, too. It was like, what was the point of putting money in the bank on them just for them to not be successful? I mean, yeah, I, I know it was it was made as a guaranteed win, but when you started adding in factors like, you know, them not being successful, which don't get me wrong, when it was first done, when Cena didn't cash in, it was a pleasant surprise. But, like, for a young star like Corbin, he needed that. Like, he had so much momentum after that. And now it's gone. So Cena, Cena wins, but I'm not happy about it. Wow. I now feel pretty bad for, for Barry Corbin. It's very true. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
at least he's not Mr. Kennedy. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to like find an optimistic <laughs> center. Uh, Chris, who's gonna win? Cena, Baron Corbin. Cena. Cena's gonna sell the entire match and then win him. Like win. He's gonna try to make that kid look strong, and he's still gonna get the win because Cena needs a win right now. He can't take another loss. Um. So I think Cena's gonna win. I I. I I agree with Thomas. I feel like that he pissed somebody off and he got a roll-up pin, and that gets heat on gender. It does. But at the same time, it's kind of a dumb spot for your money in the bank um, briefcase because the entire thing is you build programs around that, and they just kind of fuck the pooch on it. If they were going to do that, they should have just gave it to Nakamura to begin with or AJ Styles to begin with. Um, yes. But – Whatever. I mean, it's Cena. I don't think Cena's going to lose this. I, it would be bad for Cena if he lost this match. Like, really bad for Cena, and I don't think it would help Corbin because they're like, you're the guy that got rolled up by Jinder Mahal. Lulz. <laughs> That's just how yeah. I Yeah. Like I said, though, his finisher's fucking slick as shit. I love Baron Corbin's finisher. I forgot what it's called, but we'll find out, like I keep on saying, on Sunday. Let's move. To the Raw Tag Team Championship. It's Sheamus and Cesaro, do 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 do, versus Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, who, after fisting each other for hours um, and wondering where their relationship was going to go, they figured out they're finally in love. Wait, that's not what happened? Oh, okay, never mind. What? Uh, so, yeah, the, the part of the Shield's back together, guys. It's only, a, it's only two thirds of it. Uh, but we got a part of it. So, do we see Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins taking the championship titles from two other guys that shouldn't be in a tag team and probably main card style shit, but because of the brand split, we're kind of fucked on that. What do you think about that, Chris? I think that Seth Rollins hits a V-trigger and then Dean Ambrose hits him with the dirty deeds and rolls the guy on top of him for the pin and Sheamus and Cesaro retain. And I'm calling Whoa. the move the V-trigger because it's obviously the fucking V-trigger. <laughs> yeah, it's basically, it's basically part Rainmaker, part V-trigger. You know, it's the setup of the Rainmaker with the V-trigger. But then again, the, the V-trigger is just the need of the face. So It's the Rain-trigger rain that trigger. Omega does. <laughs> the rain yeah, which trigger. Omega yeah. does that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The v- He's going to hit a V-trigger and then get fucking double arm. <laughs> Oh, okay. I love Kenny Omega, but like I've said before, I've seen him do the Styles Clash. I've seen him do the King Shasha before. He likes to, you know, yeah. But those are both former. They're former members of the Bullet Club who who passed, so to speak. Uh, not, Nakamura. No, not Nakamura. Not Nakamura. Nakamura got, Nakamura got beat by AJ. He got pushed out by AJ. That was the entire thing. Yeah. In storyline. So now, like, Omega's taking it over. So the fact that he used those moves is just building on their storyline within the Bullet Club. As far as, like, Japan's What is he, Mega Man? Uh, his uh, Twitter yes, handle is Kenny, he is Omega, Kenny Man. Omega Man. On Twitter. <laughs> oh. Oh, yes. All right. <laughs> okay, so I don't know how we get... Know. <laughs> I don't know how he we get this really far off. Uh, this, this you know, I like Kenny Omega, but you're you're making me not like him anymore. <laughs> it's not it's not Seth Rollins' fault that they won't let him use any of the finishers he's had. He can't use the fucking pedigree. He can't use the stop because it's gonna make kids like scared to fucking do it themselves. And Vince saw his children why, or whatever the hell. Wait, why can't why can't he use the pedigree anymore? 
because he's over Triple H. I don't know. That was their oh. reasoning someone said. I think it was oh. Brian Alvarez said that. I have no idea. You should just do a fisherman suplex. No, fisherman suplex win. off the top ropes. We've been saying that forever for someone to do. <laughs> Seth, fisherman oh, suplex off the top ropes for the past, like, two years. No one like, that should be a... Exactly. But it's it's all right, well, either like... way. Let's get back on topic. Sheamus and Cesaro, Ambrose and Rollins. Who do you got, Chris? I told you. I think, you I think that Cesaro and <laughs> This is what happened. We got so far off, I forgot that I already talked to you about this. Thomas, did I already ask you about this? <laughs> no. Um, All right, there you go. All right. I, have, I am biased because I was trained by Cesaro, so I have to, by proxy, choose Cesaro and Sheamus. Plus, like, I don't – it's it's a short-term I reunion. I was trained by Satan. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, I learned the dark arts and just knowing yourself. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Anyways, what's up? It's. I feel like it's going to be a short-term reunion for the Shield, and that's why I don't think they should win the belts. Like, there's no. When they had the tag team titles, they were bad guys. Like, what's the real nostalgia feel there for people? It's like, yeah, they're good guys now, but. Who cares? It's not going to mean as much. I can see uh, that. That's, that's I, yeah. see it. I'm hoping that uh, Ambrose and Rollins do it because it'll be something different. I'm kind of getting stale with Sheamus and Cesaro having the titles. Honestly, it's nothing to do with them. And I kind of hope they stay together for like a little while until they figure out something for Cesaro to do. Uh, I'm going to keep on saying that every week. Um, you know, not not saying being a tag champion is a bad thing, but I think there's more. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's twice for him. That's twice tonight. Potential. Um, that you understand what I'm saying, though. I mean, God dang it. <laughs> that's, that's twice right, tonight. So, You've insulted me under the table. <laughs> but I didn't mean to, and I, as I'm saying it, I'm like Thomas in a fucking tag team. That's not what I was trying to say. I'm just saying Cesario <laughs> seems like he's billed for you know. Maybe an intercontinental run or something. Something else. I think give the guy, he's charismatic as shit, let him just go forward and go for it. I keep on saying that every week. But either way, SmackDown Tag Team Champions, New Day, Usos. Will the Usos beat the New Day this quickly after winning the titles? What do you think, Chris? I think I think the Usos is booty and the New Day is about to get this W. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think the New Day's actually – I think they're going to win. Thomas, what do you think? I also think the New Day will win, but I would have never phrased it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Have you met Chris? Well, dude, New Day rocks. (laughs) Get out. You're fired. New Day rocks. (laughs) Wait, you can't fire people. This is my podcast. Anyways. Tom, you're taking over. My boy, I, I'm never, from now on, I'm never picking against Xavier Woods again. That's <laughs> so, <laughs> up. Future prediction, <laughs> Xavier Woods always going over. Not mad. So guys, <laughs> no, not at all. SmackDown Women's Champion, <laughs> Naomi versus Natalia. Um, I don't oh, even sure. know why yeah, I like, I, 
Natty is a is is a great female wrestler. Don't get me wrong, but I have no idea why she's here. Like she will have a great match with Naomi, and I'm assuming that's why they're doing this. But that to me makes me think logically Naomi's going to retain the title. I just don't see how what 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 Natty would bring to being the women's championship now. That's very insulting to her, but I'm not trying to. I mean, she's just she's a vet. It's kind of like Jericho in a sense, or something like that. Uh, Chris, who do you think's going to win? Uh, surprise Natalia Sharp for the win. Then cash in by. Ah, I I agree a hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent with that. Ah, uh, all right. I'm gonna change my uh, pick to that because I forgot. About no, 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 they already do. <laughs> Raw's Women's Championship. Alexa Bliss versus Sasha Banks. Uh, uh, I want Sasha Banks to win, but she's not even, I think, supposed to be here because of Bailey's injury. So I feel like Alexa Bliss is somehow going to win. Uh, hey, remember that time? Titles? Remember that time where, I don't know, Johnny Nitro wasn't supposed to be in the match and he won the ECW title? It happens. I mean, granted, that was more than an injury. It's kind of, I don't know, <laughs> murder, but I don't know. Like, I'm tired I of seeing Sasha, Sasha Banks with the belt. I, I want Sasha to win the match. I don't want her to win the belt. If, I think that Alexa is just getting kind of stale for me once again. I think she's had the belt for a while to herself. The Raw Women's Division is stale to me. And that's yeah. something I would not have said a year ago. And that bothers me. That's a very like, good point. The, the dynamic has changed so much. Like, yeah, we were getting Charlotte and Sasha all the time, but the matches were good. I have yet to see a good match of that quality since the brand split or since the uh, superstar shakeup. Well, I mean, you haven't yeah. seen, like, James versus Sasha yet, which is, like, their best matchup. Eh. Nah. That's a good point, though. Uh, Chris, who do you think is going to win out of this, Alexa Bliss or Sasha Banks? Sasha Banks. I feel like they change it up. I feel like they want her to have the title so that she can go against Bailey. I think that was the end goal for like eight months now in general, so you might as well play the angle of where like, well, you wouldn't have won that title if I wasn't injured kind of thing. So I'm assuming Sasha is getting the title. Right. Then she'll probably work with Naya. I'd like to see some more matches with them, as long as Naya, you know, uh, doesn't destroy Sasha against the wall or something. I don't know. She scares me in the ring. That's all I have to say. Uh, Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. God, this match, if they would have done it the right way, would have been amazing. It could have been intriguing. I would have gave a shit about it. The way they try to, like, throw it together last minute, and then they have to tell you that from him, he's he's going to become the demon, guys. 
And then, not only that, they have a Titantron with the demon against Bray Wyatt. It's like, do we want to kill the fucking mystique to this whole entire thing? And I'm sorry, I love Bray Wyatt. He's getting ridiculous. Like, he needs to write out or think out his fucking shit more because it's just becoming just nonsense. And I'm, 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 it's, it's losing interest out of me. I used to like him a lot. And now... I'm kind of worried that Finn's going to get hurt from, his, uh, you know, uh, 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 this whole entire thing with him. So maybe I'm crazy. I'm hoping the demon means that it's going to be a badass match. They're going to give him a long time. It's going to come out all decked out. And then Finn Balor's going to go over Bray Wyatt. I don't, especially with Bray beating him on SmackDown, I don't know why it would be beneficial for Bray to beat him at the main event. Who knows? Maybe they can really just throw a dagger in my chest and make Finn Balor lose to Bray Wyatt as the demon. That would be fucking awesome. Chris, how do you feel? Wait, what's the match again? I'm just <laughs> Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Uh, the Fuck prom you. queen for Carrie got dumped with blood on Raw, so I'm going to pick Finn Balor for the win. That was so dumb. Oh, God. Uh, Thomas. I hate talking about Bray Wyatt. He's so, like, his... Entire gimmick is so stale, so bad. When he cuts a wrestling promo, he never once makes it back to whatever the match is. It's just him rambling. Like, at least with Raven, he fucking always made it back to what the point was. And I feel like with Bray, it's just like he talks in circles for, like, 20 minutes. And hey, man! Exactly. So, I like Bray. I think he's pretty good in the ring, and I, he's really good at cutting promos. I just think, he, like, at some point you got to get back to, like, what the actual point is, which is, like, I want to beat Finn Balor's ass for this reason. And I don't think he ever gets there. So, I feel like Finn Balor's going to win. And then also they dump blood on his head. So, I, like, I don't know. He's going to come back with mutant powers. So, probably Finn Balor's going to cut the lights <laughs> on, like, 85 times and fucking shoot lasers out of his eyes and get this win. My assumption. Oh, great. So he's the Undertaker now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> no, no. Every, everyone's the Undertaker. Roman Reigns the Undertaker, Bray Wyatt, Aleister Black, Finn Balor, and Mae Young. All of them are the Undertaker. And he plays oh. Thomas. Who's going who's gonna to win, Balor, Wyatt, or Mae Young? Oh. <laughs> um, <Mae Young. laughs> well, shit. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say Finn Balor. I'm going to say Finn Balor. Sorry, May, but uh, old Finny boy has the win here. It's the return of the demon at the place where the demon last was. Same exact building, same exact event. So I feel like it's a little bit of redemption. And hopefully he doesn't blow out his shoulder again. Oh, God, no. I mean, not only that, but, like, now you say that, if he loses, I'm going to be even more pissed off that you just made me have that revelation about it. So let's just uh, go on to the next one. One that you think I'd be really excited about, but I'm not because they keep on having fucking matches and the the way that they've been doing the endings has just been ridiculous. AJ Styles, the United States Championship versus Kevin Owens, two of my favorite wrestlers. I feel like AJ Styles is going to lose this. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like Kevin Owens is going to lose this, and somehow Shane McMahon's going to be involved, leading to Kevin Owens feuding with Shane McMahon, AJ Styles going on as the U.S. champion. Thomas, how do you feel? I don't even know who the U.S. champion is anymore. I'm not even going to lie to you. 
AJ Styles. Like, I've lost. Oh, you're making a oh, joke. AJ is such an idiot. No, I, I, I was serious. I was completely serious. Like, I've lost track oh, over the okay. last month who the United States champion was. Like, it's – I don't know, man. Like, I, I wish I cared more because this is a really good match on the card. Uh, I I just don't – I don't care. I, I don't care about this match. There's nothing that draws me to it. Like, adding Shane to it is pointless. Like, I don't know. I, I say if if AJ wins, then the storyline is fine. If Owens wins, then what was the point of adding Shane? I don't. I don't know. I hate this match. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous uh, feud between two of my favorite wrestlers that's just not working out. Mostly due to creative at the endings. Uh, Chris, who is leaving with the U.S. title, Styles or Owens? I hope that Styles leaves with the title, separates altogether from the storyline, and then you have Kevin Owens versus The Authority, a la Stone Cold Steve Austin, and a la Killstein Kill. So I hope this is the rebirth of Killstein Kill. So that's my hope. If you're going to have him go after Shane, have him go after Shane and have Shane be a full fucking heel. Don't like pussyfoot it and make Kevin Owens the bad guy against good guy Shane McMahon. I would love to see that play out. Um, we'll have to find out. Anyways, the last two matches. I'm going to give you guys the matches, and you can tell me both of them. which Who do you think is going to win, basically? This, this, this is the big one. All right, we got the WWE Championship. Jinder Mahal versus Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm really hoping now that the Money of the Bank thing's out of the way that Nakamura's going to end up getting the W for this match. Um, I think it would be amazing if he was a champion. I think Jinder Mahal, you know, served his purpose as a champion. Time to see what Nakamura can do, and let's start putting him in some big-ass matches and just see what goes on. The Universal Championship, probably going to be the last match on the card. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe versus Braun Strowman. Um... God, for some reason, I just have this horrible feeling Brock Lesnar's going to retain the title. But I'd love to see Samoa Joe win it. Or Braun Strowman. Or Roman Reigns, even, over Brock Lesnar, honestly, at this point. I just don't really... You can even... You don't have to bring him out completely. I just... I don't know. they they got to figure out something like that. Last two matches, though. Thomas, let me pass to you. WWE Championship, Jinder versus Shinsuke. Universal Championship, four-way, Brock... Roman, Samoa Joe, and Braun. Um, I'm going to say that Shinsuke goes over for the WWE title. There's no reason for him not to, in all honesty. Like, he's undefeated. I feel like that match against Cena was his first real test to see if he can carry a main event, and he succeeded. Um, for the Universal title, I'm going to give the win to Strowman, pinning Reigns simply so that Reigns and Strowman can continue their thing somewhere down the line Reigns beats Strowman and somewhere down the line Samoa Joe beats Reigns since all three of them kind of recently interacted with each other and that way Brock is off to do whatever he wants to do and all is right in the world I do like both those predictions Chris what are your predictions I think Jinder Mahal is going to keep the title. I think he's going to beat Shinsuke. Oh. I think it will be a walkout bullshit victory 
because WWE is due for one per pay-per-view at this point. So this is going to be a bullshit victory. It's going to walk away with the title, and they will set up a rematch. And I think that Samoa Joe is going to get the victory, and I think that he is going to get it over Brock Lesnar. With wow, you're that really huge. You're really ballsy with these choices. <laughs> I'm going to be super amazing. bold with this Samoa Joe's. I was also super bold about the Hardy prediction, and I was right. So we're going bold. Going bold, baby. Bold and spicy. Bold and spicy. That's not how All that right, works. well, guys, that concludes another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Um, I hope that you guys enjoy your wonderful pay-per-view, and if uh, we didn't inspire you to watch the G1 Climax, go fuck yourself. Because we've tried so damn much, and we've told you so much awesome information, and you are doing this to yourself! Anyways, it's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm sorry. I I do want to say that whatever happens between that four-way match, that if for some reason, and I know people out there are going to disagree with me, I don't really give a shit. It's my show, and I have a couple minutes, and I can say it if I want. I think it would be awesome in concept. It's never going to happen. If Rollins and Ambrose won the tag titles... Uh, which we call it completely separately without any help. Uh, Roman won the title, and the next day that it showed up through the audience as Shield. Um, I don't think it's gonna happen, but I'm just throwing that out there because I thought it can. Anyways, I'm gonna pass it to Chris so he can make fun of me first and uh, sign off. Uh, Chris, my co-host, my um, my deodorant to my armpits. Uh, uh, thanks, man, for always coming on the show and saying goodbye <laughs> to the wonderful audience. Go watch every NATO, every Tanahashi, and every Omega match in the G1 and pay close attention to Juice Robinson and Evil. And also Dane's predictions completely fucking terrible. No one wants to see the shield anymore. Thomas, plug something. Let's go. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> you guys can follow me on Twitter at Project Brewington, P-R-J-C-T Brewington, uh, and on Instagram at Project Brewington. Um, yeah, Emmy Card Mafia, hashtag it. You know, I don't appreciate that, Chris. It's a <laughs> fucked up accusation. Anyways, thank you guys for listening curve to stomp, another stomp, wonderful stomp, episode stomp, curve stomp, curve of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. <laughs> Hope you guys have a wonderful night. Keep on listening every Wednesday at 8 o'clock. We have a new episode. Definitely be bringing Thomas on more in the future. My good buddy Phil. Other guests discuss professional wrestling and everything with it. And Christopher Ray Patton, good guy, but my prediction's awesome. That's all I have to fucking say. Anyways, you guys have a good one. It's been a fun show. Definitely going to be seeing you more. And uh, we don't have a show this Saturday on the other show. All right. Peace out.
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep. Thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep. I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow. That's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.